We're going into the book of Numbers. In the first month, the whole Israelite community arrived at the desert of Zen. And they stayed at Kadesh where Miriam died and was buried. This is Numbers chapter 20. This is a great moment and a challenging moment. Verse 2 says, And there was no water for the community, and the people gathered in opposition for Moses and Aaron, and they quarreled with Moses and said, If only we had died when our brothers fell dead before the Lord, why did you bring us the Lord's community into the wilderness that we and our livestock might should die here? Why did you bring us out of Egypt to this terrible place? It has no grain, nor figs, nor grapevines, nor pomegranates. There's no water to drink. Moses and Aaron went before the assembly to the entrance of the tent of meeting and fell face down. And the glory of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord said to Moses, Take the staff, and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. You bring water out of the rock for the community so they will and their livestock can drink. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as commanded him. And he and other Aaron gathered the assembly together. In front of the rock, Moses said to him, Listen, you rebels. Must we bring water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out And the community and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I gave them. We today, sitting here today, are going to dig a little deeper on this very well-known section, an often misunderstood section, of scripture. Our problem in this fast-paced world that you and I are in, we often just seem to let things pass us by. Because it would require some time and some serious consideration of a pasture, passage of, of scripture. But in this digging deeper series we're doing, we're stopping and digging deeper. There ain't no milk in this these series. This is all meat and potato type preaching. This is not beginning stuff. This is for mature people. And there's a lot to learn here. See, Moses got so frustrated that he did something that he shouldn't have done and it cost him the chance to lead Israel into the promised land. What did his frustration lead him to do that was wrong. And what can we sitting here today learn from that? Now let me share with you a true story about a child who got frustrated beyond words. Now if you've ever played one of those crane games, you know, in the arcade, right? It's called a claw and you reach to pick up the toy inside, right? Well, I've never played such game. I haven't done it. It's too frustrating for me. 
and, and actually, in, in all fairness, years ago, we shared this illustration once before. So for some of you, it's going to be a double dip. But it fits so perfectly here that you, you might as well enjoy the double dip of the illustration. See, there was a boy in Wisconsin, years ago, a boy in Wisconsin, about six years old, who attempted to get a toy, of the toy of his dreams, at least he thought it was, out of that machine. And he was not successful. This six-year-old boy got so frustrated with his failure that he finally gave up using the claw and he decided a more direct approach. He climbed inside the machine to get the toy he wanted. He managed to almost get completely inside the machine. This is when they finally got him in the machine. This is not the only case of this, but he got inside the machine, right? And they, he could not get out because the way the trap works. So they had to call the fire department and unlock the game. Actually, had to cut the top off and got the boy out. There is no report whether he got the toy he wanted or not. The boy was frustrated. He used all his money in the machine. That's why he acted the way he did. And because he wasn't able to achieve his goal, get that one toy he really wanted, he got so frustrated that he ended up doing something that he shouldn't have done. And of course, he got stuck. Our sermon today deals with frustration. One dictionary defined frustration as the feeling of being upset or annoyed, especially because of the inability to change or to achieve something. And then they did something very unusual for a dictionary. They put the, and I've only found this a couple times in the dictionary, they put the word in a sentence. And it says, I sometimes feel like screaming with frustration. Any of you ever been there? Yeah, we have been. Another source, another dictionary, compared frustration with anger. Anger is like setting off the explosion of an emotion, but frustration is more like a slow burn, it wrote. And of course, if your frustration lasts long enough, then explosion of anger is not far behind. And that's what we see in our text this morning. Moses had been leading the Israelites through the wilderness for 40 years. And it seems like every time he turned around, they were quarreling and complaining and grumbling. When, when, they, when they reached the Red Sea and, Ariad, and Egypt's chariots were close, right behind the people, the people said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to this desert to die? What have you done to us to bring us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Now you can read those words for yourself in the book of Exodus chapter 14, and it's, I think it's verses 11 through 12, or it's really close to that. 
You want to read that? You can read it for yourself. They complained. And then they got the crossing of the Red Sea. Later, they complained about the food they ate. The Bible records the whole congregation of people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel, Israel said to them, what would, would that we have died at the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt? When we had meat in our pots and ate bread to the full, then you brought us out into this wilderness to kill us, and the whole assembly was hungry. Now, that's Exodus 16, verses 2 and 3. And then they complained about the water. Not in just one place. The people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted for water. And the people grumbled against Moses. And said, Why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and livestock of thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, What should we do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me to death. And that's found in Exodus chapter 17, verses 2 through 4, 2 through 6. And when, and when they were about to enter the promised land, they do it again. All the people of Israelite, Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, Would that we have died in the land of Egypt, or that we would have died in this wilderness. That's Numbers 14, verse 2. You can read it if you want. These people did this over and over. You ever notice that in the real world? People just like to complain. Well, they, the Israelites were famous for it. And God warns us as Christians, don't do that. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and they were destroyed by serpents. Nor grumble as some of them did who were destroyed by the destroyer. That warning for us is for us sitting here today is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 9 through 10. Don't put Christ to the test. Every time Moses turned around, it seemed like these people were nipping at his heels. It got so bad at one point that Moses actually complained to God. His complaint is found in the book of Numbers chapter 11 verses 11 and 12. Where he says, why have you brought such trouble on your servant? Why are you angry with me? Why do you burden me with all these people? I did not conceive these people. Did you give them birth? So you could tell me, carry them at your breast as nursing woman carries them. That you have swore to their fathers into the land that you've given them. It, it was really frustrating. Let's bottom line it. And Moses' frustration got to the point where he'd had enough. 
He was so annoyed and so irrational with, and irritated with them that he did something that they shouldn't have done. What did Moses do wrong? God himself tells Moses, take the staff and assemble the congregation and you and Aaron and your brother and tell the rock before their eyes to yield its water. And you shall bring forth water out of the rock and give them drink and the congregation and its cattle. And Moses took the staff from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the people together before the rock and he said to him, them, Hear now, you rebels. Shall we bring forth water out of this rock? And Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock twice with his staff. And water came out abundantly because the people needed water, right? And the congregation drank and the animals drank. The Lord still supplied, but he did not do what God told him to do. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe in me to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land I've given them. Now there are several views about what Moses did wrong. Some believe that God was angry with Moses because he did not follow instructions. Moses was supposed to speak to the rock but instead he struck the rock not once but twice. And he apparently struck the rock in anger, calling the people rebels. Now, I personally think there's something to that bit. I, I, I can picture it. Have you ever been angry? Right? Okay, he did not do what he's supposed to do. But I also think there's something more going on here. God told Moses... that he did not uphold God as holy. Now, what does that mean? Well, notice what Moses said. Hear now, you rebels. Shall we bring water out of this rock? Moses did not proclaim God's power. He proclaimed his own. I'm going to repeat that. He said... Here now, you rebels, shall we bring water out of this rock? That him, him and Aaron are standing at the rock. Moses did not proclaim God's power, as he was told to. He proclaimed his own. Basically, you folks want to grumble and complain at me? Well, let me show you what I can do. And in his frustration with the Israelites, he forgot about God. And he focused on himself. Moses' sin was not that he got frustrated. His sin is that he allowed his frustration to control him. Then he sinned. He behaved in a way that was sinful because he did not let his frust because he let his frustration get the better of him. Bottom line. Now, there are all kinds of things that can frustrate us. For example, there are small things like getting 
stuck in traffic because of all the roads construction that's going on around us here in Bismarck. Any of you been frustrated from that? Just me? I got a couple of you. Okay, you, some of you are normal, right? Or having your lawnmower break down, and it always breaks down in the middle of the yard. You got half of it mowed and half of it unmowed. Or having to pick up someone else's dirty clothes off the floor, if you have kids. How many times you told kids that you got to pick up your clothes? They don't understand that. There's something that goes between their ears. They don't understand dirty clothes and a hamper. Parents, do you know what I'm talking about? Only some of you? Okay, well, you're lucky then. Um, Small things can frustrate us. And it's not the frustration, it's how we respond to the frustration that makes the difference. It can cause us to lose our temper or to curse under our breath. You see, it's not the frustration, it's how we respond. And even small frustrations can lead us into sin. But what about the big frustrations? Things like traffic jams or broken lawnmowers, they're just annoyances. They don't last. Sooner or later, they stop bothering us. But what about the annoyances that won't go away? What what are the frustrations that keep staring at you in the face and it keeps coming back? We all have them. These frustrations really bug us because we can't fix it. We can't change it. We can't control it. And we can't get away from it. It traps us. Some of us, it's work. Some of us, it's family. Kind of like the Israelites. They were always quarreling with Moses. They just keep coming back. It's a good thing I didn't have the staff. I would have knocked a few heads. See, we're going to show you a picture now of the Last Supper. And Leonardo da Vinci, who painted it, just before he started on this work, he got, according to history, got in a violent argument with a fellow painter, a fellow artist. And we're not talking about a little argument. We're talking an all-out knockdown brawl. They actually were throwing punches. And according to history... There was many small battles between them before this battle. And this was an all-out violent brawl. Leonardo was so bitter that he was determined to paint the face of his enemy, the other artist, into the face of Judas on this painting. And thus take his revenge for all time in handing this man down infamy and scorn to future generations. His face would be Judas. The face of Judas was the first one he painted, one of the first, right? And when it was finished, everybody could easily recognize that the face of 
of whom he painted was the one whom he had the quarrel. And according to history, the event everybody knew, just looked at it, they knew this was that vile person. But then it came time to paint the face of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And he could make no progress. Something seemed to be baffling him, holding him back, messing with his best efforts. And finally he came to the conclusion, the thing that was so frustrating him, that he had painted the face of his enemy as the face of Judas. So he painted out the face of Judas. And he was able to complete the work with the face of Jesus being done properly this time. And excess came, and the ages have acclaimed the success. When da Vinci moved past his right to take revenge and made the right response instead, he broke the powers of hatred and allowed the love of Christ to have the last word. Now here's my point. In da Vinci's anger, like Moses, he hadn't held up God as holy. He hadn't trusted God to take care of his frustration. He hadn't called, he hadn't cast all his anxieties on him because he forgot that he cared enough for him, Da Vinci, to take care of the problem for him. But God showed himself to be holy in spite of Da Vinci's failure. God moved in the heart of that fellow artist, according to history, in a, at the completion of the painting of the Last Supper, he personally sent a letter to da Vinci stating that it was a masterpiece. The painting of the Last Supper was da Vinci's, actually one of his big breaks. It was the first time of doing something that large. And his first painting of that kind. And to have his enemy acknowledge and praise him melted his heart and healed his wounds. Was da Vinci always a nice guy? Not according to history. But this moment he was. This points to the way we can stop our frustrations from leading us into sinful behavior. The key is to look to God for his guidance and help. The Apostle Paul said... It this way in the book of Philippians chapter 4 verses 11 through 13. I never, I have learned to be content with whatever the circumstances. That's I, Paul's frustrations, that things he couldn't control. Then he goes on to write, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation whether well-fed or living with plenty or in want. And here's the secret. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. If we hold on to God as our source of holiness, God will carry us through. He'll give us the strength to do what we have to do. Now, the last question for you sitting here today Did Moses ever make it into the promised land? Good question. Did Moses ever make it 
into the promised land. Well, he sinned. And God said, you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. So God allowed Moses to go atop of Mount Pishah and he allowed him to see the promised land but not go in it. And then he died and God buried him. This is found for you to read in Deuteronomy chapter 32 verses 48 through 25. He got to see the promised land but then he died. Somehow that doesn't seem fair. Moses was a nice guy. He was holy and humble. He talked with God all the time. He almost did everything God told him to do. Almost. And yet he didn't get to lead Israel into the Jordan. One sin. That's all that kept Moses out of the promised land. Just like one sin would all it would take to keep us out of heaven. The Bible's quite clear. All it takes is one sin. But we have an advantage. We have Jesus. Jesus died so that we could be forgiven of our sins, and it's only through Jesus that we get to get into the promised land, which our promised land, which is heaven. It's too bad Moses didn't have Jesus to get him into the promised land. Hmm. But wait. Moses did get into the promised land. I'm going to take you to the book of Matthew. And I'm going to read to you starting in verse 17. I'm going to prove you he got in the promised land. On the sixth day, Jesus took him, Peter and James and John, the brother of James, and led them up to a high mountain by themselves, where he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. Just then there appeared before him Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, we will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. While they were still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Then the disciples heard this. They fell down, face down on the ground and were terrified, but Jesus came and touched them and get up. Do not be afraid. And when they looked, they saw no one except Jesus. They made it into the promised land. But, 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 Moses got into the promised land. How did he get there? Well, Jesus brought him in. The only reason Moses got into the promised land was because of Jesus. And that's the only reason we get into heaven. If we believe that Jesus is Christ and the Son of the living God, and if we acknowledge that we have sinned and sinned in our lives, 
and we are repenting of our sin and we are willing to confess Jesus to be our Lord, then we get to get in the promised land too. But no matter what the mitigating circumstances or causes we might put up for Moses, the fact still remains Moses didn't honor God or obey his orders. The remarkable thing that God gave them water, even though Moses' attitude and actions were all wrong. He had not dealt, he does not deal with us according to our sins or punish us according to our iniquities. Psalms 103, verse 10 says, If Lord, if you, Lord, should mark my iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? Psalms 130, verse 3 says, God in his grace met the needs of his people because he is God of, a God of compassion and infinite goodness, but he did not overlook Moses' sin. The people were helped, but Moses was disciplined and in a very painful way. He wasn't permitted to enter the promised land. He had glorified himself instead of glorifying God. At one point, Moses actually begged God to let him go over to the Jordan. But the Lord refused his request, and you can read about that in Deuteronomy chapter 3, verses 23 through 29. But Moses revealed his meekness to God's discipline and continued to lead the people. Now, I'm going to take you to the book of Deuteronomy. I'm kind of getting out of order here, but I wanted to end with this part. See, Moses was a nice guy, and what happened to him didn't seem fair. He was somewhat humble and somewhat holy and I mean, yeah, he did a lot of things wrong if you really read the story, but God used him. That, that there's, a, there's a lesson here. Very important lesson. When you're a baby Christian, you're held at baby standards. When you mature as a Christian, you're held at mature standards. And when you're called into ministry, you're held at a higher standard than that. You don't become a Sunday school teacher without realizing you're called to a higher standard. As you grow, as you learn, you're called to know more and to behave better. I don't know of many more holy people than Moses. He walked with God, he talked with God, he saw... I mean, he was held in the cleft of a rock. And the Israelites were pig-headed and stubborn people. No, 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 they were. They were rough and tough and complained... But Moses could not get into the promised land without Jesus. See, Moses, in, in, in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 23, on that same day, the Lord told Moses, go up to Abram, the range of mountains, and view Canaan, the land I'm giving the Israelites as their own possession. There on that mountain that you have climbed, you will die and be gathered to your people, just as your brother Aaron died on Mount Hor and was gathered to his people. This is because both of you broke faith with me. 
in the presence of the Israelites at the waters of Merbeth Kesh in the desert of Zin. And because you did not uphold my holiness among the Israelites, therefore you will see the land only from a distance. And you will not enter into the land that I'm giving to the people of Israel. God's own man was called to a higher level of accountability. Some of you here have been called to a higher level of accountability too. We walk with God, we talk with God, we answer for what we do. It's tough teaching. But on the other hand, with the death of our Savior, everything changes. Moses and Elijah got to the promised land because Jesus was there. We get to get to heaven because of Jesus. We don't have to worry about the frustrations of the world. You don't have to want, worry about wanting to zap that one fellow employee who's a pain, right? Wouldn't you just love to have a, oh, zap! That's not correct. Da Vinci learned that, and he couldn't paint the Last Supper. He had to take the face of his enemy out of the face of Judas. Patience and kindness is the hardest thing to have in a dark, dark world. But we're called to be the light of Jesus into a world that is terribly dirty and filthy and horrible. We're not called to be as the world is. We're called to be a light. Now, we need to close in prayer. And then, if you're a visitor, we'll have one last song, then you'll be dismissed. But we thank each and every one of you for being here today. For this is God's house, and you are his royal guest. It changes everything when you realize who you are. You are the guest of the Most High. Our Heavenly Father, we come before your throne, and we thank you for allowing us to be your servants. We thank you for allowing us to be part of your flock. And we thank you for being our shepherd. And Father, we are so thankful that we are not bound by the law, that we are given grace by your Son. We thank you for that grace. We thank you for that blessing. And all God's people said, Amen.